sometimes when my teacher would start a talk like this, he would look at us all and say, how is your sitting? And I think all of us would think, oh my gosh, oh my sitting is so noisy, it's so busy, it's so much going on. One time coming out of a retreat, he stopped me and he said, you sat very well. And I said, did it look like that? And he laughed his head off. He just laughed and laughed and laughed. I, I thought about it a lot afterwards. I think he, he, what he saw was that even though there were demons and flames licking the corners of my cushion, that I didn't run away. <laughs> And I I think it takes a lot of courage um, often to stick to this and endure um, and come to be familiar with uh, this amazing and chaotic and often ridiculous um, being of us that we are. Uh, We we always walk through the world with some kind of image of, of who we are and how we present ourselves and uh, do our best to be good citizens and um, do what needs to be done as well as we can. But there's a vast amount of everything going on that we just don't tend to until we sit down and there's no way to distract ourselves. And then everything else of us uh, is there and some of it uh, is amusing and interesting. Uh, Some of it's very helpful and insightful, and some of it's really we just as soon not know about. So it takes some courage to do this practice. It looks like nothing is happening. If somebody came in in the middle of the sitting and looked at us, we'd look like bunch of zombies or something. What what are these people doing? Nothing. But it's not nothing, as you know. There is a set of CDs that um, Netflix has that you can check out um, of talks by the Dalai Lama on the paramitas. It's really nice. I I recommend it to everybody. Um, I like it even more than I thought I was going to. (laughs) You get right face to face with the Dalai Lama while he's talking and it's it's, um, uh, serious but there's a lot of laughter. He's um, very kind speaks very slowly and carefully so that you don't miss anything. You could write it out word for word because he speaks so slowly. And uh, he covers the whole ground. And he was talking about the courage of generosity. Generosity or, or dana paramita is the first of the paramitas. And he was talking about how giving is practicing the courage of generosity. That it takes courage to give. 
we don't often think of it that way. And yet it's one of the harder things to do. It's that basic insight that Buddha had that that we cling. We cling to ourself, first of all, and then our self-identification and everything that goes with it. And then to release any of that, even if it's just my book or my cookie, uh, feels like something's at risk. We might lose something. And so it takes an, an extra kind of, of push or another paramita, vigor. It takes extra kind of energy to open our hand and let go, to feed the stranger and to help the, the ones who need help, um, to go out of our way when we're called to. Um, it doesn't take very much, really, usually. Um, but our habitual stance is often so tightly held that it, it takes more energy to let it go than it would if we were habitually giving. Of course, there's the uh, idiot side of it, the idiot generosity that St. Bridget suffered from where she gave away all of her things and then gave away even her father's shoes um, until he put his foot down and said, no, no, this is not, this is not a practice anymore. So to cultivate courage, um, Dr. Johnson said, courage is the first of virtues because without it, it's very difficult to practice any of the others. And the biggest courage requirement is around the truth. I've, I've been thinking about this a lot. I, I used to write a lot of poetry and um, published it until I started um, Jikoji. Jikoji is a retreat center up on Skyline, and that became my poem for about 12 years. I just poured everything that was in me into that place to kind of launch it. But now I'm, I'm long out of that, and I'm back to writing poetry again. And I, uh, for the first time in a long, long time, I'm taking a workshop. And I'm finding what an enormous amount of chutzpah it takes to do that. Um, and that it's a practice of honesty more than anything. I suffered and suffered over the last poem that I wrote. It's real hard because we get assignments, which is, and the assignment is in the Greek myths. So it's a whole other world uh, to plunge into. And then I found how easy it is to um, say something 
that sounds good but isn't really quite true. It's got a resonance and it can make people laugh or say, oh yes, but I know that there's something off. And it's made me very aware of the rest of my life how easy it is to fudge. Fudge the way we meet each other, fudge the way we speak. Mostly true, mostly honest, but maybe not quite. And consider what it takes to to cover that not-quiteness or to achieve the achieve the whole thing. There isn't an overall gesture that we can make that achieves that. It's every single moment. It's how we live every single moment. And that's, as we say over and over, is just about being awake and present in every moment. It's often when we're projecting into the future that we're covering ourselves with some kind of protection. Um, oh, I'm already over here and I'd better take care of things in a quick way so I can go there. And so we're, we're often not where we are. We're not really present for other people especially. Um, We talk about respect, how, how it is to respect each other. Um, and respect means to look again. Re means to do it again. And spect means to see. It's like spectacles, um, spectator. Spectarius is Latin for how we see. So when we generally just meet each other, Um, it's in a blur or it's with so much else going on in our own mind that we're not quite present with what's happening we can't quite take it in so expecting is is useful because it keeps us safe and alive Um, it's 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 our lizard brain Uh, ticking off things that are safe and things that might not be safe and just protecting ourselves. But respect means to stop and to be present, to be thoroughly present, and to take it in. Whatever it is, whether it's our dearest friend or um, a blade of grass that we meet as we walk, Actually, each thing that we um, meet is meeting us. It's a completely mutual thing. We notice it when something wonderful happens between us and and ourselves and somebody else. Um, There's often a, a, a powerful feeling of meeting. It's called menju in in Zen face-to-face meeting or Buddha meeting Buddha. We all have it sometimes. Um, But often that gets 
um, swept away in our hurry, in our self-concern, especially our self-concern. Of all the ways to give, um, it takes the most courage to give ourselves. to be truly there for someone, to allow our vulnerability especially. We are so helpless, really, um, and we know so little, understand so little. And if we're involved in practice, we mean so well and try so hard. And so to be awake as we practice this way is to to cultivate and develop real confidence in ourselves, so that we can meet what arises and comes to meet us, so that we can really be here for what is here, moment by moment by moment. I wrote a whole poem this week, a long one, and two hours before the class yesterday, I realized that it was a lie. It was awful. It was really awful. And I realized I couldn't read it to the class. There was no way. And I was in a kind of despair. (laughs) And then suddenly I thought, oh, I'll just take all all the lies out. And I just, it was was like picking out raisins or something. (laughs) Plucked them all out. And it turned out to be a pretty good poem. It was really amazing. I thought, hmm, well, maybe we could all do that, you know. Just recognize them and just throw them away. It's not so serious. It's just um, a kind of ignorance. And we are ignorant and we struggle with our ignorance. And our effort is about our ignorance, trying to see more clearly, trying to be more clearly as we live and breathe together. It's really walking in the dark most of the time. And it's really, if we allow it, a surprise over and over. Um, Often we think uh, things should be a certain way. And then it's terribly disappointing when they're not that way. My granddaughter had dinner with me tonight and she was saying her best friend has that kind of mind. She says, every time something goes another way from the way she thinks it should be, she's terribly, terribly, she's only 16, so she cries a lot. Um, And Sophie said, she just doesn't know. Things don't always come out the way that you think they're going to. And I thought, oh, Sophie means wise. She's wise. 
always think it's like reading a novel. It's like turning the pages and seeing what's going to happen next. We often don't know. And even the things that seem extremely untoward um, and really mess everything up, mess our best plans, it's kind of fascinating in a way. Really interesting. Because way leads on to way. And way opens from way to way. And so we discover ourselves wherever we are with the path right under our feet. And we can accept our surprises or fight them, hate them, or let them teach us what they have to teach. We have so much to learn. I certainly do. I can't wait to see what the next poem is going to teach me. So that's what I brought to share tonight, hoping that we could um, speak with each other, questions and discussion, and um, see what your experience is and what, what we all know together or what we don't know together. Are there any questions? Yes. I was wondering, uh, when you were saying that it was a lie, that it was filled with lies, were you meaning that you weren't speaking from your heart, or I'm not quite, I think I'm just like that, not quite Uh, understanding what you mean by that? um, It wasn't quite not from the heart. It was trying to make a story out of something that, a different story about something that was already a story. To to tweak it into something a little more um, acceptable. It didn't didn't seem like it was sort of presentable the way I, I knew it to be. So I gussied it up a little bit. And it was those you know, for bellows that I put on it, the, the lace and the, the fancy stuff that I took off and turned it into something much more basic and more true. Well, I was wondering, like, when, when one is interacting with another person, you know, what is the balance to, to being kind or... You know, I I have a problem with that. I I think sometimes I'm just too blunt. And maybe maybe if I kind of, you know, gussied it up a little bit or whatever you want to say, I wouldn't come out so harsh. All of a sudden, in thinking that I'm being honest, I've just been just kind of blunt and maybe not not kind enough Mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. So I would appreciate it if you'd comment on that. Well, that's, that's the other side of it, isn't it? Um, we can be too truthful um, in a way that isn't kind. 
Um, there was a time in the 60s when there, there was this idea that we should just speak whatever comes to, to, to our mind, no matter what. And uh, boy, a lot of friendships got lost that way because people just, <laughs> anything went. And it was too hurtful. So it's important to, to find the balance as usual. It uh, often helps uh, to listen and to cultivate the listening side and only speak when you really move to speak from what you've already heard rather than leaping to your own ideas. It seems to me often when we meet, we, we aren't listening to each other so much because we have such strong opinions ourselves. Thank you. You're welcome. We're thirsty to be heard, all of us. spiritual path is it I mean because it seems like there's there's many different approaches you know some people become monks and they live a monastic life you know and you know secluded just within their communities some people are very proactive you know trying to help homeless or you know trying to help people Um, in your opinion can being really proactive in the world um, you know, trying to help as many people as you can, you know, I don't know, better better the world and, or the environment or getting involved with causes like that. Is that a really, really important part of spiritual practice? Or um, would you say that actually, you know, being a monk and... You, I, 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 don't, I don't know how quite how to phrase the question, but it's just something I've been thinking about recently. Oh, I understand. It's many people... It's a big debate. You can ha- debate that in your mind forever. Um, especially if, if a meditation practice um, means a great deal to you in your life, then one way is to plunge into the monastery and just devote your whole life to meditation. That's how it feels, that um, that's what one should do. Actually, in... Um, most Buddhist traditions, you don't go into the monastery and just bury yourself there. You go in and train for two or three years, uh, and you really are, it is an immersion. You, you just really cl- shut out the rest of the world and um, devote your whole effort. It seems like to meditation, but when you do it, it turns out that you're uh, washing the dishes and chopping the cabbage and making the beds and scrubbing the toilets and doing all the things that anybody does to keep his life together in a monastic situation. So it, it ends up not feeling very special. Um, <laughs> and you have all the interpersonal relationships that are just as hard in the monastery, if not harder. So, But it's also training just your your emotional and intellectual life is, and, and spiritual life are all together focused on one thing. And everything you do is a practice 
um, and you, you really have no distractions. But after a few years, you're encouraged to go back. Return, you know, the ox herding pictures that after all the activity of taming the ox and uh, riding the ox, then you return to the world with bliss bestowing hands. And that can be in anything, any kind of activity, any kind of right livelihood that creates the kind of meeting that I was talking about. Uh, uh, and by that time, you should feel free enough to, to meet face to face with anyone, anywhere. And then choose something interesting and fulfilling to do. And most people get married, have children, raise their children in that sense too. So it's a kind of gift to oneself first, but it's mostly a gift to the world which is what this practice is really all about. It's really not about us. It's how we can open up. One, one, may I ask a follow-up question? Um, do you think humanity will ever evolve uh, to a point where just everyone is practicing spiritually or is do you think that is just unrealistic and, and could never happen or yeah. I don't even know how to how to think about that though I do I, I do think about it now and then um, Robert Thurman is pushing for that he writes about that a lot how to create a, a Buddhist world basically, how to, how to just um, create a world in which everyone is free to be kind, um, which means releasing all the fears and all the dangers, and, and it's a huge revolutionary vision that he has um, based on Buddha's teaching. It's a wonderful vision, truly. Um, and we're new as human beings, we, re- we really are extremely new compared to every other life form that we know about. We haven't been here long at all. Sometimes I think we're still in nursery school. We haven't even got to kindergarten yet. And that's part of our struggle is just trying to stay awake enough and alert enough to even see where we are and who we are. So I, like, I, I would like to think so. Maybe so. It's something to work for. It's certainly, of all the things there are to work for, it's it's the most um, juicy and useful. Um, we could all aim for that. Yeah. Ah, thank you for those questions. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes I think I know the right thing to do. And I also, that right thing will be uh, something I don't like to do or yeah. don't want to do yeah. or I'm afraid to do. 
how can you uh, make use of the meditation practice to find courage to do what you know you're supposed to do? Pretty sure you know what to do. <laughs> and I don't like to do that thing. Yeah. Oh, I know that very well. Yeah. How, how, how do you uh, dig around in there and find the courage to do that? Well, thinking doesn't help very much. Our thinking is is pretty crude and pretty self-serving. Um, even our logical thinking is is pretty limited. It's narrow. But if you sit down with a decision that you need to make or that is asking you to make uh, and just sit with it don't try to think about it but just sit quietly until until you know what to do then you're not limited to just your thinking part of yourself now, often we just lean on our thought so hard that we forget that we have a heart and a belly. And our heart and our belly truly inform us. And we override it with our thought. So when we sit in our meditation, the, the thoughts keep going on and on and on, but we don't have to get involved with them. We can just let them come and let them go and just sit with our heart and our belly. And often when you get up, it'll be with a different perspective. And with more courage, perhaps. Because what's scary is that we feel we might lose something or make a mistake or screw up in some way, that something will happen to um, mess up our um, the great me. Uh, and if we sit, then that great me sort of becomes transparent. We begin to feel deeper and um, less particular. So the great me isn't so important. The whole thing becomes important and we begin to feel feel what to do rather than think it and to trust that. The thinking part doesn't trust it very much. So to, to create you know, a, a situation in which you're available to all your wisdom is, is what meditation is. Good luck. Yeah. Um, I was wondering as you were talking, um, you know, about courage and, and truth um, and listening, I guess, really is what really particularly caught me. So is part of the meditation that you do, the, the practice of meditation, is part of that meant to kind of like slow us down a bit? Because, I mean, I think that so much of what what our society is about is having a quick answer yeah. and a definite answer. Yeah. And um, I'm new to the meditation and the Buddhist teachings. And um, so I guess my question is, so much of this is so transient. You know, what's, what's right and true today yeah. 
you know, once we meditate on it for a while, all of a sudden becomes maybe not so right or mm-hmm. maybe not so true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's, that's what you discover in meditation is the coming and going of everything. We're dissolving and being remade over and over. Uh, even our, our body is dissolving and being remade over and over. Every, every aspect of our life is, and the life of the universe is that way. So there's nothing to hold on to, in a sense. And uh, our tendency is want to hold on to everything and to nail it all down and keep it safe and right there for us. So meditation is a kind of freedom to let things come and go as they want to come and go. And of course we do hold on to things that need to be cared for. The, the, the point is to let them go when it's time to let them go. It's a great gift we give ourselves, this sitting. It, and, and we are in such a hurry in this world that uh, it's hard to even give ourselves permission to give ourselves this gift sometimes. Oh, I'm too busy. You know. But really, we're never too busy. It's just how we're driven. And we don't need to be so driven. So it's a wonderful present. Well, many times I think it's because it um, demolishes um, preconceptions, especially about oneself. Um, and that's why that's why it's uh, it takes a lot of courage to yes, face the truth. Yes, going to Sashin, um going to our retreats in Zen, my teacher sometimes would laugh at us and he'd say, if you go to Sashin, you're going to die. And then he would laugh his head off. (laughs) 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 But actually, when you sit a long retreat, all those preconceptions that you go in with uh, begin to fall away. If you sat a long retreat, you'll, you'll... you'll remember that um, I always think I I go with my pocket stuffed with things notes and um, paper clips and chewing gum and and that uh, and old coins and that after a couple of long days of sitting from about five o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock at night I feel like I've been dumped upside down and everything in my pockets falls out and there's a moment a long time in there where you really aren't quite sure who it is anymore because we depend on all these ideas about ourselves, and and you realize when you sit that they're just ideas and ideas are a dime a dozen we all know that it's just blips blip after blip and we begin to see through the ideas and, and hearing the truth is, you know, the truths, the many truths, Buddha's truths, um, 
that we're not as substantial as we think we are. Um, that things go as well as come and that we are all going to die. There's some real hard truths that we would much rather turn away from if we can. And so we're always a little off balance. So it takes, and there's a, there are a lot of truths about our own life, I think, that in, in meditation, eventually we have to turn around and see that we're in the habit of not tending to. And it's it takes a lot of gumption instead of looking out to turn back and look back and see some of the places where we are really kind of messed up or really bewildered. And to, to accept that, acknowledge it, because that's really the only way that it can be um, processed. The truth is a very scary thing. In a tyranny, you know, the, the poets and the musicians and the artists are the first ones to be thrown in jail because they're the ones who just tell it like it is. So sometimes I think we, we all need to sort of cultivate our minds as if we were artists and musicians and, and poets to really just, um, not in a brutal way, but as things really are. Yes, we're going to die. Life is short. It's so precious. And um, sort of get underneath all the baloney that goes on. All the cheap talk and thinking. a very good idea. I just uh, have just lived through a lot of experiences where not facing the truth just made it harder and more fearful to face, and it's kind of a vicious circle. Yes. So, I mean, I, I totally see what you're saying. I just, yes. just have to try harder. Yeah, but it's scary as hell sometimes. Yeah. Maybe that's enough. Anything else? Thank you all. Thank you very much. <laughs>